Hello, Cleveland. Welcome to another episode of the Dogland Podcast. It is another Victory Pod. I know uh, it is Wednesday, but um, it's taken a few days here for me and Jack to get together, and we apologize for not having an episode last week. Our schedules just did not uh, align, unfortunately, to, to preview the 49ers and Browns game. But, Jack, there is cause to celebrate because we will be talking about a huge Browns win over the San Francisco 49ers without Deshaun Watson, Nick Chubb, Joe Batonio, Jack Conklin, and they pulled off the win 19 to 17. So we have reason to celebrate on our third victory pod of the season. Yeah, man. It, it's so unbelievable. I had someone at my job today going, are you still on that high from Sunday's victory? And I was like, yeah, I said, cause I cannot believe it. It was uh, that I called it on Sunday. I said, it was the signature win at the Kevin Stefanski era. It's the one the media has been saying, like he doesn't have a signature win. Uh, he doesn't have a win that like marks his legacy as a Browns coach. I would say that one on Sunday definitely did for sure. Uh, our backs were against the wall, 10 and a half point underdogs. Uh, like you mentioned, all the guys being out, but the Browns didn't make excuses much like the national media is trying to make excuses for San Francisco. Uh, it's still just unbelievable that the Browns pulled that victory off. And, you know, it, it, it we really needed it, Anthony, because we did not record last week, which I'm kind of glad we didn't because I probably would have went on an epic rant uh, in the heat of the moment, just because of the chaos uh, surrounding the organization from the outside, but it was good that the the victory calmed everybody down for uh, at least for this week. Yeah. Instead of, you know, December and Bria, we almost had an October on, in the Dogland podcast uh, <laughs> with, with what you were going to have to say. And I'm glad, you know, we didn't have to go to that. And, you know, thankfully the Browns somehow pulled off a, a win on Sunday against arguably the best team in football. You know, you could throw them up there with the Eagles and the Chiefs and the Bills. Um, but, you know, so far this season, they have been absolutely up there, probably have the best offense in the NFL, and the Browns' defense held them to 70 po 17 points. And we'll get into uh, a lot of the defensive talk here shortly. But I had a little bit of fun today because uh, I have uh, somebody I used to work with who was a – is a big Niners fan. So I made a purposeful stop today at uh, the place I no longer work to in all my Browns gear uh, to, to see them today and kind of glow in their face. So uh, I had a lot of fun with that today, stopping in and seeing them um, because they, they were at the game too. Uh, but uh, you know, it was a lot of fun to, go there because we've been talking for the last couple months before I, you know, transferred out of the place that I was, um, you know, about this game. And I'll, I'm glad that uh, I got to do that today. So that was a lot of fun on my part. But with this Browns win, Jack, you know, the Browns move to three and two, uh, puts them in a very good position. And, you know, as I was driving home from the stadium on Sunday, I was thinking about it. I remember after the week two loss against the Steelers on Monday Night Football, we sat here and talked about on this podcast how if the Browns can win two out of their next three games, you know, they'll be in a really good spot. Now, you know, they, they really beat up on Tennessee. They lost in a clunker to Baltimore. And, you know, we thought coming out of the bye week, 
All right, this is going to be a really tough test because you have, you know, one of the best teams of football coming to Cleveland, and you're like, oh, well, maybe, you know, they're not going to win this one. And then we got the, the Sean Watson news and, and everything that he wasn't going to play on Sunday. And we're like, well, if they could just, you know, keep it close, that'll be all right. But they came around and won this game, and now we're sitting three and two uh, going into week seven. Uh, and arguably maybe the easier part of the schedule. And this season seems to have a whole different outlook being three and two instead of two and three. And with the, with the games that they have coming up. Yeah, definitely. Cause if you, you know, last week, obviously you mentioned the Watson news. Uh, it really was like a punch in the gut add on the fact that Joel Batonio has his knee scope. So he wasn't going to play. So we really didn't know what to expect out of that offense with the 49ers defense coming as good as they've been uh, to start the season. You got PJ Walker starting uh, instead of Dorian Thompson Robinson, which I think a lot of people wanted to see just after, after the way DTR played against Baltimore. Uh, but you didn't know what the offensive line was going to look at like, and they struggled at times. Um, but yeah, we just didn't know what to expect out of that game. Um, but we knew that the team was going to fight because we know what the defense has brought the first few weeks. Uh, Stefanski said that the team was ready to put up a fight and not lay down to anybody. Literally there was almost a fight pregame, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point. Um, but we knew the team wasn't going to back down. This team is hungry. They want to prove it to everybody that the Browns aren't a joke. It, it's no fluke uh, what they did to start the season. And we always knew that this was going to be the big test. Our defense against their offense, obviously with Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Brock Purdy, and the unbelievable start he came, uh, has had to his career. But the defense, we knew the defense was going to carry them. And then we had to see if the offense was going to be able to do anything. And ultimately they did just enough to put us in a position to win and ultimately secure the victory. Yeah. You know, not to mention, you know, the last time we played the Niners, uh, was that Baker's rookie year um, that they played them? And, you know, Nick Bosa just absolutely destroyed us and recreated the, the, the flag planting um uh, thing but uh, that was the, that was the second year that was the freddie kitchens year the o odell's first year but yeah that was i think i think the browns were hungry although there's not too many parts and pieces left from that 2019 team but i think the browns were hungry to stick it back to kyle shanahan and the niners for sure yeah and you know they came in here and, and you mentioned it they came in here the 49ers did and you know tried to stir things up right away uh, they interrupted, you know, the Browns pregame workouts and stuff, and there was a big scrum along the sideline there. I was sitting there before the game. I had gotten there pretty early, and I was just sitting there, you know, just chilling, watching on my phone. I look up, and I see um, the players coming together. I'm like, holy crap, what's going on? And then I see uh, – I, I couldn't tell who it was at the time, but I saw – you know, Trent Williams kind of blast Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore's helmet went flying. I'm like, oh, man, you know, are we going to go back to Joey Porter and William Green, you know, having ejections before this game even started? Um, but, uh, you know, I, I really think that just lit up, you know, this Browns defense uh, even more so and, and motivated them even more. You know, the 49ers coming in here thinking that they owned the place. And I tell you what, Jack, I, I don't know if there's been a game in the season where the Browns defense has played harder 
I know that week one game against Cincinnati, but uh, they played very well. But that that game this last Sunday, this defense just continues to show how good they are. And statistically, they have given up 1,002 yards over the first five games, which is the lowest any team has since 1971. So 52 years in uh, NFL where the, all the rules favor the offense, the Browns have managed to turn back the clock over 50 years with what they're able to do against the teams that they're playing so far. Yeah. I mean, they're, I think they took major offense to what the 49ers tried to do. And the 49ers thought they were going to like attack and be physical on the Browns. And the Browns came right back at them. And we've all seen the clip of Greg Newsom. Now that Greg Newsom posted, you know, they came out with the big boom box the way the 49ers do usually when they come out to games. So the Browns knew that they were going to match them uh, mentally, but then they were going to match them physically as well. Uh, you mentioned a thousand two yards. That's an unbelievable start. They've also, I've given up 15.4 points per game, um, which I always compare it to the 94 defense. Cause they gave up around 12 or 13. So they're pretty close to that 94 Browns defense. That was the best of the league that year. Um, but yeah, Anthony, you mentioned it. Like the Browns are just physically dominating these opposing offenses every week, except for, you know, the Baltimore game, which I think once it was 14 to three, I think, you know, the defense realized like if the offense isn't going to be able to do anything for us, we're not going to be able to match uh, Baltimore uh, drive for drive. And I think they kind of just packed it in to not have major injuries happen, but yeah, this defense on every level just continues to dominate it each week. I mean, you have up front miles Garrett, Darius Smith, Dalvin Tomlinson made some big plays this week. Alex Wright made some big plays. Uh, Okoronkwo. I, I love the way this team celebrates after every play. We talked about it a couple episodes ago, how Schwartz does not Maurice want Hurst. them to Maurice Hurst with the belly rub. I mean, it is unbelievable. And then you mentioned the, the linebackers. JOK is playing like he wants to go to the Pro Bowl this year. Uh, you know, Taki Taki's been playing okay. He could be better. Anthony Walker, unfortunately, got a concussion in this game. So he probably won't be with us this week. So that's a kind of a blow to the linebacker room. But JOK has been playing out of his mind. I think he's been playing so much well. I think this is a career year for him. And then the secondary. I mean, you mentioned uh you know, Debo or Elijah Moore and Trent Williams. It started with Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk against our corners. And then Denzel Newsome Emerson went out there and said, you want to be physical of us? We'll be physical with you. And they completely shut down the 49ers passing attack. Grant Delpit as well, shutting down George Kittle. Like the level that each level of the defense and the way they're contributing at a high level this year, this is what we always expected with how Andrew Barry was building this defense. Obviously, you know, John Dorsey and Sashi Brown had a hand in it as well, getting the assets and everything. But this defense, we're finally seeing its true potential. Anthony, we talked about it the last couple of years of the podcast saying that this defense has top 10, top five level production and talent. And we're finally seeing it on full display. And you can't underlook how much the hire of Jim Schwartz meant to this organization and the way he has made these guys look so much better on each and every level and the assistant coaches as well. But yeah, the defense went out and shut down one of the best offenses in the league. And now I think people are finally 
buying into the Browns hype. Like this has a Super Bowl caliber level defense for sure. It absolutely does. And you know, the the on the other side of that is the offense and the the questions surrounding, you know, Deshaun and his injury and everything. But, you know, on Sunday they made it work. You know, they started PJ Walker, who played pretty well in um that was the XFL that he was in, right? Yeah. Uh, played pretty well there. You know, he came in here, has been here for a little bit, been on the practice squad. Uh, 18 to 34, 192 yards, two interceptions, almost had a very costly third one, uh, which is what uh, gave the game to the 49ers on that last drive that the Browns had. Uh, Jerome Ford, 17 carries, 84 yards. Kareem Hunt, 12 carries, 47 yards. Amari Cooper, four catches, 108 yards, including a 58-yard one uh, that set up a Kareem Hunt touchdown. Had that amazing catch on the sidelines, which was just as good as a thrown ball as it was a catch. That was a, a really good ball by uh, P.J. Walker to to hit Cooper on that one. Uh, the Alley Cooper, which is what I think the Browns Twitter account called it. But, uh, you know, this Browns offense did just enough. And I think something that can't be understated, Jack, also you talked about Jim Schwartz, but getting Dustin Hopkins, uh, because we knew at some point this season that, you know, the, when it comes down to the kicking, um, the Browns weren't going to be sure with, um, I already forgot his name. My God. Um, the guy that they cut. The kicker. Oh, Joe Woods? No, the kicker. Oh, Katie York. Katie York. York. See, see how quickly I forgot his name? Um, <laughs> uh, for, for good reason. You know, Hopkins has come in here, hit uh, four of five field goals uh, on Sunday you know, which allowed the Browns to to win the game. So, you know, in a spot that was extremely questionable going into the season, it seems that Dustin Hopkins has provided much needed stability and maybe their biggest question going into the season with the kicking. So, you know, that was extremely beneficial. And, you know, him being named the ASE special teams player of the week was, I think, well-deserved. So, um, you know, they did just enough on offense, and, and I think, you know, with the game plan, there were a, a lot of smart things, and I think the smartest thing was the way they used Kareem Hunt through the first three quarters or so to beat up on the Niners' defense in the running game, and then in the fourth quarter, you saw some of the explosive plays from Jerome Ford, especially on that last drive. Uh, you mentioned uh, before the pod he had, what, uh, 58 yards in the fourth quarter around that? Yeah. 52 on five carries in the fourth quarter. So including a 22 one that got 22 yard run that got them in the field goal range on that last uh, drive there. So, you know, kudos to, to the game plan and Kevin Stefanski. And that's another thing, you know, well, you kind of mentioned it briefly, the signature win, you know, I think that that one's definitely up there, you know, maybe the game, uh, the clincher that got the Browns into the playoffs uh, against the Steelers uh, could also be up there, but, you know, to come in here without your starting quarterback, uh, missing some other key players, uh, to go against arguably one of the best teams in football, Kyle Shanahan, who's a very good coach, and to come out with this win, you you can't ask for anything better. And now, you know, the Browns are just in a good position the rest of the season, and hopefully, you know, over the next few weeks, Deshaun Watson or not, 
you know, this offense can use this blueprint from this game uh, against some of these other teams and, and, you know, grind these games out. I think that's how it's going to be. They're going to have to grind some of these games out like they did against uh, the 49ers on Sunday offensively. Yeah, I think so too. I think, you know, a lot of us were worried about the offensive line and the running game. Like the offensive line wasn't perfect on Sunday. You know, I think Walker got pressured. I think it was like 15 times, got hit nine times. Um, you know, he got sit- the one sack or one of the sacks, Wyatt Teller completely let Nick Bosa through. I think that was ridiculous. But um Well, I think getting the running I think that was a good miscommunication. Uh between Teller and Dewan Jones. I think that was supposed to be Dewan's guy, but still continue. It might have been. Yeah. I mean, there's I mean, there's still gonna be hiccups with Jones, obviously, but he's playing fantastic. I seen a stat it was nine pressures allowed in five games for a fourth round pick. Uh it's unbelievable. Uh gem by Andrew Barry getting him where he got him. Uh but the focus was I think to get the running game back going, because obviously the weather conditions weren't weren't favorable at Cleveland Brown Stadium. So they got the running game going. Having Kareem Hunt as the lead back, I think is the right call going forward. I think they're still trying to ramp him up, but he was so effective on Sunday, 15 total touches for 71 yards and a touchdown, which which that play call was beautifully uh, designed by Stefanski and executed by the offense, having Harrison Bryant with the, take the direct snap, which we thought was going to be a sneak. And then he just hands it off to hunt and the lead blockers, people's Jones with the final block to get hunt in the end zone. I think it was beautiful, but seeing hunt as the lead back and then sprinkling Jerome Ford in, and then utilizing him in the fourth quarter, if that's going to be the blueprint and the formula they want to do, whether it's PJ Walker or once the Sean's back, I think that's good getting the running game going uh, using Marquise Goodwin on the uh, jet sweep uh, instead of an Elijah Moore, I think was good because we all said start using Elijah Moore as the wider Elijah Moore, using him more, no pun intended, as a wide receiver instead of as the motion gadget guy. I think that's the way to go. If they can get Marquise Goodwin more involved in the offense, I think that's going to help this offense expand and evolve in the next few weeks as the season continues. Um, Amari Cooper, you mentioned the two catches, unbelievable. Uh, would love to see them continue to get Najoku involved more in the passing game because I think he he's getting close, Anthony. I think to just busting out and being one of the type top, top tight ends in the league. The screen pass that got called back because Jed was too far downfield. I think that was like a 15, 20 no. yard gain. Oh, I like, was gonna th- thought you were talking about the touchdown one day that got called back. No, I'm talking about the one in the fourth quarter where it was the legal man downfield, but it was a screen to Najoku and he got like, I think close to 20 yards, but it got called back. I thought that was beautifully executed. Najoku has been playing well the last couple of weeks. I would just love to see him continue to get more involved in the passing game. Cause I really think he's close to breaking out and being an impact player. But yeah, I think the offense did just enough to sum it up. Like you said, if this is the formula where, you know, you can run a balanced offense, get the running game going and then be able to hit some key passes like Walker missed some big time throws on Sunday. Uh, the interceptions were very poor. You mentioned the, the one late in the game where he was running and then he tried to type, uh, throw a tight ball to Cooper. It was either Cooper or Elijah Moore in the end zone. It was a really bad throw. I think he should have just tried to run it, get a couple of yards and set up a, a third and short run near the goal line for whether it was for Hunter Ford, that would, that would have been much better. 
Um, I know people want to blame Stefanski on that, but that's a, that's a Walker mistake there. I don't think that's a Stefanski mistake, but if this is the way the offense is going to be for the next couple of weeks what, until Deshaun's fully ready and that shoulder's ready, I think this is the way to go. Like, don't have Walker do too much. Rely on that running game. Get the offensive line healthy, obviously, but Tony will be back this week. But do what do what worked with Baker Mayfield. Do what worked with Jacoby Brissett. Don't try to do too much if you don't have the quarterback that can make the throws. And just go back to what Stefanski has been doing. Run the ball, set up the play action, hit your your top targets when they're and scheme them open. And I think this offense can have some success for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, when you have a defense you know, like the Browns defense has been playing, you don't have to go out there and score thirty five points a game. You know, you score twenty, twenty one points, you know, chances are you're gonna be in most games, if not winning those with the way the Browns defense is playing right now. So, you know, as long as the defense can do that, you know, while Deshaun gets healthy, that'll be great. And speaking of Deshaun, he finally talked to the media today uh, for the first time in, what, a few weeks now, uh, it seems like. And uh, he talked about his shoulder, shoulder injury and, you know, some of the issues going on there. Um, a couple of the quotes here. Um, he was asked about, uh, so I was told you won't be out there until you're pain-free and until you can throw normally. Uh, and he said, it's not so much of the pain. It's mostly if I can throw the football. The pain I can deal with with certain pain tolerance. But if I can't control the football, uh, I can't control the football with no velocity. You know, he doesn't want to handicap the team uh, because he can't get the ball downfield. And then he said, um, you know, what, what kind of injury it is. He said it's a strain, a, a micro tear uh, in the rotator cuff. And lastly, uh, they asked if they gave him a timeline. And he said, it's really just day to day. It's kind of just when it heals on its own. I think that's the tricky part about it. Um, and he said, it could be any day, it could be tomorrow, it could be Sunday, it could be two weeks from now, I'm not even sure. Like I said, day to day, and I'm following the steps of the medical team, and when that time is ready, then I'm ready to go out there. He can't put a timeline on anything right now. So, with that being said, Jack, if Deshaun Watson is not able to you know, play against the Colts this weekend, uh, play you know, maybe the next week, uh, as well, what uh, what are your expectations for this offense without uh, Deshaun Watson if he can't play against the Colts on Sunday? I mean, if he can't go, obviously PJ Walker is going to start again. Uh, we know what he is in terms of an NFL quarterback. He's a backup at best, can be a spot starter. You know, he's had some success in Carolina. Um, obviously, you know, did just enough to help us get a win on Sunday, but we know what he is. So you, you have to hope that what they were, the running attack was able to do against the 49ers defense. They're going to be able to do the same against the Colts defense, which took a hit this week with one of their defensive tackles getting suspended for uh, a PED violation. He's actually one of the better uh, D tackles at stopping the run so far this year. So that's obviously a big blow. So you have to hope that the Browns can rely on that running game. And, you know, PJ Walker said that, you know, he sought out to Jacoby Brissett for advice on, you know, how to succeed in this offense. And he told him like, if you see Cooper open, throw him the ball. 
And I think we saw the success that Jacoby Brissett and Amari Cooper had together. And obviously Walker had that same success on Sunday, connecting on two deep passes for with Cooper um, and having Cooper having his 32nd 100-yard receiving game of his career. So you'd have to hope that, you know, rely on that running game, you know, be physical up front with the offensive line. Hopefully they can get things on the right track and then take your deep shots when the opposing defense gives it to you, whether it's Cooper, Elijah Moore, Marquise Goodwin, David Njoku, whoever, uh, but definitely try to rely on that running game and hopefully it'll open some things up for Walker to go out and execute, but hopefully he can get into a rhythm because even some of the short throws, like there was a couple balls to Elijah Moore, uh, that he didn't even get to him. He ended up getting in the dirt. So hopefully he can get into some kind of a rhythm and more of a chemistry with these guys working with them in practice. And uh, hopefully he'll be able to go out there and make some key passes on this Colts defense because they're going to try to be physical up front for sure. But, you know, you just got to hope Walker can get that ball out to avoid uh, any sacks or turnovers for sure. I guess if Watson does play, you can almost argue for the same game plan, right? Just to kind of, you know, run the ball, keep things safe, um, because you really don't want to go out there and, you know, throw 50 times the first game back, you know, dealing from this injury. So, you know, if Watson does play, you can almost argue kind of going with that same game plan that you mentioned there. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, if Watson is back out there, you still worry about, you know, the rotator cuff injury. I asked somebody about the micro tears and then potentially getting worse. Um, And they said they can only get worse with ongoing inflammation or trauma, which means if he takes another shot there, whatever he's scrambling or he's back in that pocket and, you know, gets hit by DeForest Buckner or uh, Shaq Leonard or whoever on that Colts defense, you have to worry about, you know, a potential like, Reflaring of that injury or something even worse. So if Watson is out there uh, quick, I think the game plan should be quick passes, trying to get the ball out quickly. Um, you know, I don't know how well he can throw it deep right now. I know he's done some throwing as part of his rehab, but we don't know like how much he can drive the ball downfield. So if he can, like I said, rely on the running game, short, quick throws to your, to get uh, Stefanski some schemes, some guys open, um, and hopefully Watson can go out and execute. But I, I have a feeling as of Wednesday night that if Watson didn't practice Wednesday, I can't imagine he's going to be ready to go Thursday or Friday. So I would imagine now, and obviously the things can change in the coming days, but I have a feeling we will see PJ Walker out there again on Sunday. Well, if, if that's the case, you know, the, the Colts secondary, uh, you look at some of these guys there, and we don't want to preview the game too much, you know, with it being – Wednesday, but you know they have a lot of young guys in that secondary. Juju Brents, second round pick this year. Jalen Jones, the seventh round pick, uh, out there. Your two starting corners, uh, a free safety that was a seventh round pick last year. Uh, Julian Moore, third round pick in twenty twenty. So I mean, they they still have a pretty young secondary. Uh, so far this season, they've given up the six most passing yards, uh, fourteen hundred and sixty two. Uh, they've given up uh, seven passing touchdowns and have four interceptions. So um, you know, they're still young secondary, so there could be definitely some opportunity there as well uh, for, you know, P.J. Walker, um, you know, to be able to maybe have some success there. And, and against the run, they're kind of in the middle of the pack. So uh, they, they are a little bit stronger up front, but you mentioned 
Uh, they did lose one of their defensive tackles. Uh, I think it was uh, Grover Stewart uh, to suspension. Yep. Uh, so starting in his place will be Taven Bryan, a former Brown. So <laughs> Brown's legend. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, you know, th- there definitely could be some uh, opportunity there to run the ball uh, this week. Uh, you still have to deal with the Forrest Buckner, and then you mentioned Shaq Leonard, linebacker as well. Um, but Quiddy uh, Paye, former first round pick. I mean, there's some, they got the, uh, not to cut you off, but their strength is up front. And, you know, if they can generate pressure on whether it's Watson or Walker, you know, they can force them into bad throws. And you mentioned the young secondary, but, you know, this is where secondaries can take advantage is if Buckner, Eva Com, Taven Bryan, Quiddy Paye, or even Shaq Leonard force pressure on Walker or Watson to make a bad throw. That's where the young secondary can fully take advantage of them for sure. So, you know, on offense uh, for the Colts, they will not have Anthony Richardson who had season ending shoulder surgery and will be starting the other, uh, I guess, other legend uh, Gardner Minshew uh, at quarterback this week. And, you know, Gard- uh, Minshew has, you know, had some success. He's, um, you know, whether it was, uh, you know, with his time with Jacksonville for a little bit. Um, so, you know, he's a decent backup uh, in the NFL and they still have Jonathan Taylor out there, still have a, a semi-decent offensive line. Um, so, you know, Minshew can definitely go out there and, and you know, wreak some havoc. But this Browns defense, I think, uh, will will relish the opportunity to go up against a, a backup quarterback uh, that the Colts are going to be putting out there. Yeah, I mean, Minshew, you know, we all loved it as Browns fans a couple of weeks back when he stepped in and beat the Ravens. Um, but we kind of know what he is at this point. He's kind of like a PJ Walker, Jacoby Brissett. You know, he's a decent backup, can be a, a spot starter. Like he had two good starts against the Ravens and the Colts. And then, you know, what was it? You know, week or no. Yeah, the first he yeah, the first two starts against the Ravens and the Colts or the Ravens and the Texans was really good, uh, decent, uh against the Titans. And then last week against Jacksonville, just had a poor performance uh, through 55 times, which I don't think any starting quarterback uh, is meant to do uh, three turnovers, got sacked three times. Like you just don't want that. So you're going to get the good and the bad out of Gardner Minshew. Uh, he has some mobility. So the Browns are really going to have to pressure him uh, instantly. As soon as he gets out of the pocket or as soon as he gets the ball, um, but you got to pressure him, force him to make bad throws, much like Jacksonville did last week. Uh, and I expect our defense to fully do that for sure. My question is, is we saw what they kind of did against the 49ers is they told Denzel Ward, Greg Newsom, and Martin Emerson to, to body up, uh, you know, the 49ers receivers. Do you feel that any of these guys that the Colts have, uh, you know, could have success uh, you know, whether it be Alec Pierce, Michael Pittman Jr., Josh Downs, uh, so that way they could play man-to-man coverage and then, you know, they could load the box with six, seven guys and stop Jonathan Taylor and get after Gardner Minshew. Uh, you kind of think that might be the same game plan on defense? Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, you you mentioned their three receivers. They're all pretty talented Um, Alec Pierce really hasn't panned out yet so far. He's been decent, not that great. Uh, Pittman, we know he's a big physical receiver in a contract year. He's off to a good start with over 400 
yards on 40 catches. Josh Downs is going to be the one to watch. You know, a lot of Browns fans were high on him when they had the second round pick. He ended up dropping much lower than we thought. And so far, now that he's been able to step in as the number two receiver, he's been good. 28 catches, 276 yards and a touchdown on 41 targets. Um, so I definitely think the Browns are going to follow that game plan much like they did against the 49ers stick to the main defense. Uh, just, you know, stay on their guys offensively. Also got to watch out for Kylan Grayson in the tight end role, which I think Delpit will handle him pretty well. Seeing as how he handled George Kittle quite well on Sunday. Um, but you mentioned Jonathan Taylor can't go without mentioning Zach Moss, who has been off to a good start uh, when he was in for Taylor before his holdout ended and got his new contract with the Colts uh, had a monster game two weeks ago, and he's been very effective, not only in the rushing and the running game, but also the receiving game. He's got over a hundred receiving yards on 14 catches. So uh, there's plenty of weapons on that Colts offense. Uh, but I think the, pre- the, the main mindset should be getting after Minshew and forcing him to make some bad throws, much like uh, what happened against Jacksonville. Yeah, hopefully, I think this defense, uh, you know, will continue to have success against this this close offense. You know, they did struggle, uh, like you mentioned, against Jacksonville. Hopefully, we create some turnovers. Uh, they'll be playing in a dome, so they won't have to worry about any bad weather this week. Uh, over over in Indy, I could imagine there's going to be a lot of Browns fans that are going to make the trip uh, out to Indy, like the forty yeah, nine like the forty ers fans did uh, this last Sunday. <laughs> There From the of, looks of it on social media, there's going to be a lot of Browns fans out there. So there were a lot of Niners fans there on Sunday. I was uh, thoroughly surprised, and I can't believe that it came across on the broadcast the the defense chance uh, for the Niners fans those last couple of Browns drives uh, because they were they were loud in the stadium. So you know they definitely came across on uh, the broadcast too. So you know. We'll see how it goes. Do you have a prediction uh, for the game on Sunday? Oh, early prediction. I'm going to say Browns win 27 to 17. I just think our defense is going to continue to be dominant and physical. Uh, I think there will be moments where the Colts will find a way to get in the end zone, but I think our defense is going to force turnovers. I think we may even see a defensive touchdown, but I think, you know, whether it's Watson or Walker, I think the Browns are going to find a way to win. Uh, hopefully the running game continues, but I'll say right now, Browns 17, Colts 17. But my prediction may change come Sunday morning, so we'll see for sure. Again, you just said 17-17. Oh, 27-17, my bad. Okay. No okay. ties. Oh, I'm yeah. not predicting a tie. Please please, no tie. <laughs> I, I can't imagine if you could bet on those on you know the apps to to bet for a tie uh, for a game result. I can imagine what those odds are. It's like plus five thousand, I bet. Uh, something like that. You know, I I'm kind of with you. I, I think it's gonna you know be relatively low scoring. I got Browns. It's really early, twenty three to uh, sixteen. So by by a touchdown, I think it's gonna be uh, pretty low scoring. More field goals again uh, on both sides. So. We'll we'll see how it goes, but uh, I'll be excited for for this game on Sunday. Um, I guess there's one thing left to do before we get out of here is the mayor of Dogland uh, for the yes. game on Sunday. Um, I'm I'm glad I remembered as we were starting to to wrap it up here. But on our Twitter at Twix account, we're still calling it that. Uh, on our you, Twix, you account, want to know who else called it Twix? Who's that? 
I think it was Eric Bischoff. I think I heard that on his podcast. That, he called that, it Twix. He stole it from us. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, we put out the choices. Uh, Kareem Hunt, Dustin Hopkins, Martin Emerson, and JOK. Uh, with 43.3% of the vote on Twix, Dustin Hopkins was the winner and elected the mayor of Dogland for this week. That's who I voted for. Uh, did you also vote for the same? I voted for Kareem Hunt, but I wasn't surprised that D Hop ended up winning the vote. And he also won a AFC special team player of the week. So uh two accolades going the real D Hop's way. Absolutely. Yeah. Other than the, you know, not the receiver D Hop. Uh <laughs> th- this one right now is the better one, the better D Hop. Um, but uh yeah, you know, glad for Hopkins and it's nice that, uh, as I mentioned earlier, to kind of have the kicker position uh, with uh, some stability uh, rather than it being chaotic. Uh, so it's a nice thing to have to where you can rely on somebody to make uh, field goals. Uh, anything sure. else you want to talk about before we got out of here? Nah, man. Just uh, hope everybody else has, has a good rest of your week, and hopefully we get to talk about another Browns victory. Uh, either this coming Sunday night or sometime next week. So go Browns. The game on game on Sunday, or yep. I meant on Sunday. I meant what time on Sunday? Is it one o'clock. One o'clock. Okay. Yep. All right. I might miss the beginning of it, but I'll be home for halftime. So we'll see if we'll do the the pod on Sunday night uh, after the game. Uh, but with all that, we're gonna get on out of here. Uh, we'll talk to you Sunday or Monday, somewhere in that range. Um, Remember, as always, to follow Jack on Twitter at JackMcCurry08, or on Twix. Uh, Me as well at AnthonyJokeyJokey, the Dogland on Twix, Facebook, Instagram, threads, at the Dogland, same handle. Um, With that, we're going to get on and out here. And remember, as always, most importantly, go Browns.